1: out of church and join the rotation. So let's jump on in. Actually, I lied. We don't go to church here. (laughs) (laughs) here. Although we are, we are in three different places right now. Uh, for who you want to include our guest, We are normally at 1714 7th Street in Ybor City where it all began, Yet Chillum Glass Gallery, where our studio is there and customers are returning. Really oh, absolutely, we have to have cheers for the Chillum. Yeah. Well, let's introduce ourselves. Uh, I am Gary Stein, your political director for Suncoast Normal and the Master of Public Health. Although well, I think I'm gonna call myself a doctorate now. We'll get into that. Right above me, (laughs) calling from above the beltway, where he hits them all below the beltway, and our 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 union guy, Chris Kano, our executive director, (laughs) and and to the left of him, our deputy director, Carlos. I just had a air (laughs) mida. I get both sound effects. Still work, still work. All, right. all, we, all you have to do is uh, press that button to stop me from swearing, right? Is that going to this <laughs> thing?
0: Wait, what the are you talking about? Oh,
1: there you go. It's, it's working perfectly. And in the lower left hand corner, our secret square, so we have our very special guest. And I hope I pronounced your first name correctly. It is uh, uh, unique Ortez. Ortiz, is that correct? Unique Ortiz, yes. <laughs> My wife is named Monique and she's been going on year for years, calling herself unique Monique. So now I'm going to have to oh, work yeah. and make sure I don't actually make that mistake because <laughs> Monique is actually uh, running for the seat. Currently vacated by our good friend, Senator Jeff Brandis, who's been a good friend to the cannabis program for many years now. And the most moderate libertarian I've ever met and, and a very strong person, as far as uh, justice is concerned. Mm-hmm. and that's those gonna be some big shoes to fall to, to to fill are you yeah. ready for any
2: yeah you know i've worked in local government policy and organizing my community for the last 15 years um, more than half of my career was working in labor and i actually uh, got to see the champions win their union contract for medical marijuana all the medical marijuana uh, workers in new york uh, state are actually unionized and i think that would be something great to see across not only the country, but also here in Florida to strengthen our union rights. And I'm running for this seat because I believe we need to bring bold leadership to Tallahassee, uh, not just I'm sure on this topic that we're gonna talk about today, but across the housing crisis we're facing, across access to healthcare. The fact that uh, healthcare insurance does not cover most medication at a low cost is insane to me. Uh, people have to choose between you know, buying groceries and getting the medication they need especially medication, like medical marijuana.
1: Absolutely, and uh, you worked for SEIU, correct, 1199?
2: I did, I worked for uh, SEIU for eight years at a a few different locals, including the international, um, organizing and working in communications. Uh, A lot of my work was built in trying to turn out what we call infrequent voters in Black, Latino, and API communities. So how do we talk to folks and meet them where they're at? people? don't feel excited or don't feel the need to vote and we want to make sure they understand that they're on the ballot their issues that are affecting them are on the ballot and a lot of that work i'm taking into now as a candidate as i talk to folks every single day i'm going to be door knocking my community after this and reminding folks that we might not have a kansas moment with an abortion uh ballot amendment on the ballot but abortions on the ballot Housing's on the ballot, right? Medical is on the ballot. And our future generation and where we go 10 years from now is on the ballot and reminding folks of that.
1: And, of course, those ballot initiatives aren't coming from the citizens. We're talking about getting people into uh, the legislature that will actually work on those kind of things because mm-hmm. we really have bootstrapped our ability to do anything in regards to, uh, to ballot initiatives coming from the citizenry. And, of course, yeah. when we do pass them, they tend to... Uh, to scrap them practically like amendment four with, with the felons and the way that they mm-hmm. have screwed that up.
2: Yeah. I mean, you know, we, even to get something on the ballot statewide, it costs millions of dollars, right? You need to collect so many signatures. You have to you know, probably hire folks to try to collect these signatures, get volunteers, get a team together. It costs a lot of money to get something on the ballot statewide. And then once you get it on the ballot statewide, you're not even guaranteed that what the people of the state voted for is gonna stay in its original form after the fact. And talk about really letting the voters down and making them feel like their voice doesn't matter. Talk about, you know, we passed a $15 minimum wage amendment. Thankfully that stood intact, but that's not gonna be fully in effect till 2026. We talked about returning uh, citizen's right to vote, right? Now they have to pay a poll tax. And, frankly, after what happened a few weeks ago in Broward County with, what, three people that just didn't understand the process in filing to register to vote, didn't understand uh, how they were, what they were doing at that moment. You know, the information needs to be there and folks need to feel unafraid and have a full access to their ballot. Um, These are folks who owe fees and fines and a lot of times for crimes they never committed. And they just took a deal and and now they're owing tens of thousands of dollars back and and they don't have it.
0: So I'm sorry, I think I'm a little confused. You're saying that people, people in in South Florida are paying to vote.
2: No, no, no. What I'm saying is, is that when a returning citizen goes to file to register to vote, if they owe a fee or a fine from their previous conviction or or court um, appearance or whatever it may be, Mm -hmm. um, they cannot register to vote and they cannot vote and exercise that right until those fees are paid. That was something that was added by Governor DeSantis and the Republican Legislature after Floridians voted overwhelmingly in favor to return their right to vote. And I think what a lot of folks have been saying, and frankly, the majority of the state has been saying, is don't hold a vote tax against them. Imagine if you had a parking ticket and before you got your ballot back, you had to make sure to pay all your parking tickets. Imagine if you had some taxes that you just couldn't pay and you were paying over a monthly time, but then they held up your right to vote because you didn't pay that fee. Right. There's no other application of that to anyone else in society. They should be allowed their right and access to their ballot. Agreed.
0: Yeah, it makes
1: makes perfect sense. And you've gotten a lot of uh, endorsements from the various unions around town. Mm-hmm. And that was really impressive. You got you had endorsements from all. The last couple of mayors of uh, St. Pete's,
2: yeah, we've been we've been very uh, humbled by the outpouring of support. We launched this campaign over a year ago uh, with Senator Brandis uh, being term late, term limited and vacating the seat. We know we have uh, a very long road to walk down to win in November, but it's doable. And folks have seen the work we've done and entrust their endorsement with us. I've never run for office before. I'm not a political choice to run for the seat. I'm literally just someone from Pinellas County who's happened to work in this field for a long time, saw a path not to win, but saw a path to actually have someone stand up for the community here in Pinellas County. Pinellas County also happens to be a bellwether county of Florida. In a lot of respects, the way Pinellas County goes, so does the state. So hopefully if we win this seat, it's gonna be telling if that's gonna be enough to also win statewide.
1: Well, you've been involved in community organization for quite a while, and especially unions—that is politics. It's just a different a different venue, but it's definitely politics, isn't
2: it? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, you know, call it politics, but for me, you know, I've been very honored in my career to be able to stand up for healthcare workers uh, whose work sites and bosses decided that in their next union contract negotiation. They wanted to take away their health care insurance as a way to come to the table. These were nurses. These were hospital workers. They the choice of the boss was to say, hey, you're not going to no longer have any health care coverage. I was honored to be in that fight with them, honored to be in the fight for 15 across the country and win those battles of city to city and state to state. Uh, honored to be a LGBTQ rights advocate and advocating for my community. I'm openly gay and would be the first, hopefully, along with Janelle Perez, the first openly gay women elected to the Florida State Senate. Um, worked on environmental issues, voting rights, and the list goes on. So a lot of folks may call that politics. I call things like making sure insulin is not bankrupting, bankrupting someone monthly <laughs> is just the right thing to do. And if I had a choice in my career, that's where I'm gonna have it.
1: Fantastic. And where else have you gotten endorsements from?
2: Uh, we've been endorsed uh, by the Sierra Club. We've been endorsed obviously by the unions, SCIU, AFL-CIO, AFSME, the Teachers Union here, Florida Educators Association. We've been endorsed by Latino Victory Fund, LGBT Victory Fund, Florida Rising. Uh, Florida Immigrant Coalition. We have been humbled by over 75 endorsements from organizations and elected officials, not only in this district, across the state and across the country. Because this seat, though it's seen as a local race and it's a down-ballot race that we have to make sure folks actually go past the top of the ticket on their ballot, we know that this seat not only has statewide implications, we're seeing the, the effects of a national implications by the Florida state legislature. What they did this past session with the Anti-Woke Act, with the abortion ban, with Don't Say Gay, and any number of pieces of legislation, we've seen copycat bills happen across the country because they say, oh, Florida can do it. So Florida can do it. How far can we push it in this state? How far can we push it in this state? Um, I'm running for the seat to try to stop that. We don't need to spend time on bills that are literally just funneling our governor's run for president, because that's what he's doing for right now. He's looking. He has his eye on 2024. He doesn't have his eye on the state. We need legislatures that are going to focus on what is happening right now with Floridians, focus on actually doing something about the housing crisis, whether you're a tenant and your rent's going up, whether you're a homeowner and your home insurance is going up or you're a small business trying to build houses and you can't get the supplies you need. Those are the issues we have to focus on. Small business, making sure our state actually has a plan for the environment. We're not seeing that right now.
1: We were very lucky to have uh, Senator Brandis as a moderate Republican in that seat for the last uh, mo- 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 a piece of a decade before, after he left the House. And we were able to work with him on a number of, uh, of bills, including uh, this last time we actually we actually wrote a bill that he had passed as an amendment that stopped all the, uh, licenses from sitting on their licenses and not actually producing. And, uh, mm-hmm. so we're going to be leaning on you
2: <laughs> to try sure. to, to get my doors open. So, yeah, those really
1: are common reason. sense bills. In Uh, one of the things that we, uh, we can we, we have concentrated on for years now, of course, is the, uh, worker, the uh, worker protection, which basically allows you to be able to, uh, have a job and a medical card at the same time which which seems like a no-brainer because actually if you have medicine that makes you healthy enough to go to work that should not preclude you from getting to do work and uh, so we've been trying to push this the worker protection for years now and mm-hmm. as as Chris could tell you we were up there at, at, at the middle of the night watching them to do the uh, last couple of days of session and they shouted the uh, the uh, that amendment down without even thinking about it yeah it gets, wow. it gets very very frustrating and i know how frustrated that uh, senator Brandis was for the last couple of years because he really did champion some excellent excellent legislation and of course yeah. he did manage to get a lot of things in regards to autonomous cars in over in, in pinellas county and we're hoping mm-hmm. that you continue along with those lines what, what are you, what are your basic pl- uh, uh you've been talking about a couple of things in your platform in regards to housing and, and insurance and things of that sort what else is on your platform
2: So one of the things, and sometimes folks can see it tied, um, to the issue of actually fully regulating and making legal all cannabis is fully funding public education. You know, a number of States have done this across the country and I'm not sure why we're not putting a and B together here that our teachers right now are 48th in the nation for pay. They're paid $14,000 less than the national average, and Florida is in the top five for cost of living in this country. Republicans are taking a victory lap right now because they gave teachers a pay raise that brought them from 49th to 48th place in the nation's pay ban. We shouldn't be proud of that. Our educators and all school staff need to make more and need to make enough to afford the cost of living in the communities they're serving and teaching in. And that's a huge huge issue for us and when i talk about issues in this platform for the campaign i'm not talking about issues i've chosen because when we started this campaign in june of 2021 i was very very focused on making sure i was sitting down with as many folks as possible to hear from them what the issues were and our platform has been made up by that by these community <laughs> conversations so i would say education number one um, after housing I would say, I guess, number three. I'm uh, going to
0: stop you real quick before you yeah. go to your third one. I, I got to I'm listening to what you're saying. If I were to look at it as an equation, it would equal to Floridians. Are going to soon be too stupid to figure out how to live here?
2: You know, I, don't, I wouldn't say that. I get what you're saying. You're being cheeky. I wouldn't say that. I would say we're, we're not thinking the long game. We have a Republican legislature and a Republican controlled administration in Florida that are focused on the next two years. Mm-hmm. And that's it. We, if we had a leadership that was focused on this generation and then the one after it, we would fully fund education. We would fully fund undergrad education and two year trainings and associates degrees. No student would have to get into debt and what President Biden did this week, I thought was a great first step, but I would love to see the steps that come after. We have, we would have a fully funded and thought out environmental plan. Pinellas County and this state is surrounded by water, right? Except, you know, the North, but surrounded by three bodies of water. We need a plan to make sure our shorelines and our beach communities are here in 10 or 15 years. And that's a real crisis that folks are not listening to. This state is not fully funding housing, education, the environment, our infrastructure. Where is that money going? We have an affordable housing fund called the Sadowski Fund in Florida that has hundreds of millions of dollars put into it every year, allocated from our taxes. And in session by our state legislature, controlled by Republicans, they continue to remove those funds and put them elsewhere. And we're not seeing that. There's no transparency there. And while I think it's something like 130 or 150 million right now is still sitting in the affordable housing fund, not being executed in spend. What else are we doing right now if not addressing that crisis? What else are we doing right now if not making sure our educators and government workers, whether you're a firefighter, police officer, you work in a a municipality, you should be able to afford to live where you work. And right now the average pay for a public school teacher is 47 or $51,000, somewhere around there. In St. Petersburg, you need to make closer to 65,000 to afford to live in a one or two bedroom apartment based on rent or cost of living. That's nowhere near that's a huge gap for someone. So, you know, they want to scream about, you know, gas prices, trust me, I'm pissed too that 100 bucks a month of of my uh, money is going to gas now that I wasn't accounting for back in January. But let's talk about the larger picture when folks homeowner's insurance premiums have skyrocketed thousands of dollars a year. Let's talk about the cost of our taxes that we're spending in the state that are supposed to be going to the things helping us afford housing that are not. Right? Let's talk about the pay we're paying government workers. It's not there. So I'm hopeful that that's something I can bring. Hopefully when we're elected in November to the state Senate, and hopefully we can actually have some real change because it's far overdue.
3: Well, Una, you uh, you got my full support uh, in this <laughs> fight. I, I do want to ask, you know, just some clear direct questions. Number one, you touched on them, but um, uh, do the, you know, the people of Florida have your support um, when it comes time for us to uh, you know, move forward with uh, full legalization and, and decriminalization of cannabis.
2: Yeah, I I, well, so you missed one part. It's not only full legalization, it's not only full decriminalization. I also feel we have to talk about reparations for those who have sat in private prisons and let's call it what it is for generations. We've destroyed communities, we've destroyed families. We need to also look backwards and make sure we're helping those as well. Because right now it is black and brown folks that are being arrested and incarcerated at a higher rate. And it is white led companies that are profiting off of this industry more than anyone else and we have to talk mm-hmm. about it from a racial lens
3: well said and that, that actually a, uh gives me into a, a quick news update that i have here for us and that is analysis in the jama health forum shows that racial disparities in marijuana possession are becoming more pronounced in prohibition states and this is examining sure. this over a 20 year span so um and if folks want to learn more you can actually check out uh, the actual article, uh, through the, uh, uh, national library of medicine and the national Institute of health, uh, looking at this and how cannabis policies are, um, you know, affecting uh, arrest rates.
1: You'd think things would start uh, changing. You'd think that they would go in the right direction, but they they continue to go in the wrong direction. It, 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 what's the impetus that can change that?
3: Well, I think the impetus is uh, electing people like Eunice. I think I think the impetus unique. I, I mean, I, it, it matters that we, we put the right people in office. I mean, far too long. And, and, and I, I'm going to say this very clearly. For the past three to four years, Gary, all the struggles we have had in this industry are because of Ron DeSantis and the Florida Republican Party, plain and simple. Carlos, you were in the room with us when DeSantis first got elected. And we met with his administration, and we had a laundry list of items we expected Mm -hmm. them to address. And in the disdain and the dismissiveness of his staff, you called it out. And for someone who's not political, you could tell it. It was visceral. It was in the room. They they don't respect
0: weirdos. Um, Yeah, I just, I as much as I want to say that this isn't a, a political thing, that this isn't a party thing, that in Florida it definitely has been. Uh, you look at the cannabis movement and yeah, like the cannabis movement hasn't been perfect, but, and we haven't done everything right, but we've made a lot of headway, man. Like we we've had quite a bit, like we've decriminalized in, in the majority of the state, um, you know, civil citations, we have medical marijuana. We put it in the hands of our legislator and they let us down. Plain and simple. Mm-hmm.
3: Yep. yep. And the latest thing coming out of the DeSantis administration are caps on patients uh, of medicine. And and Carlos, if you could just share the screen real quick for our viewers so they can really understand what we're talking about. The Office of Medical Marijuana Use has used emergency rulemaking power to arbitrarily and unilaterally cap patients' medicine. And for all of you out there who are medical marijuana patients, if you're seriously someone who has a, a major form of cancer, 200 milligrams a day of THC is 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 not gonna help you with your cancer treatment. Not at all. If you're if you're someone who is a is a regular smoker and you use it for anxiety or PTSD, two grams a day of flour, I mean that's like what? Maybe maybe one or two joints or or maybe mm-hmm. one blunt at most, two grams a day. Come on, Ron DeSantis, what the hell? Mm-hmm.
0: You know, there, there's a lot that we can say about our system that, that's bad. But one thing that I can say that is great is that RSO is so readily available to our patients. I've traveled to a couple of different states that allow uh, both medical and adult use cannabis. And it's harder to find RSO, man. It really is. Um, and like this is this is an obvious like pushback. Because I mean, the typical RSO dose, right? I mean, it changes over time, like it's a regimen. But you want to end up with about a gram, about a thousand milligrams of THC a day. There's no way that you can end up like that with this. There's no way. Now, for for Unix benefit and for other people around the uh, the
1: our listening viewers who aren't totally familiar with RSO, RSO is short for Rick Simpson Oil. What it basically mm. is is a, is a concentrate made from the entire plant, from from uh, from, from from bud to root, and it gets all, the the full entourage effect of all the cannabinoids in the plant, and including the the cholesterol, the, the chlorophyll rather, <laughs> which makes it taste terrible. Yeah. <laughs> but, but, but the fact is, it it's fantastic for cancer and so many other things because it is the entire plant exactly the way nature intended it, and not. Some of these concoctions that a lot of MMTCs are coming up with right now, which are basically, they take a terpene from some food, and they add in some THC from some other source, and they, they mm-hmm. get what we call hot dog water, which is essentially, it may taste like a hot dog, but there's no hot dog there. <laughs> okay. And uh, yeah, yeah, that's why it's, it's important to have RSO on the regimen, and you, enough for mm-hmm. people to be able to save their, themselves from their cancer.
0: Yeah, you Got can it. say whatever yeah. you want about our 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 system, right? The fact of the matter is the way this system is set up. If you got a debilitating medical condition and money, you can benefit from cannabis in this state, right? Yeah. So now they're making it so that you can't even benefit if you have money. Like that, that's, that's obvious to me what's going on.
2: Yeah. Well, and that was something we were talking about previously, which was the cost of medical marijuana is sort of reserved for those with means. And what about those who cannot afford the prescription? Medical marijuana, insulin, what, whatever the prescription is, it's all medicine. And if you cannot afford to have your medicine, what, why should someone who does not have the means not have access to the life-saving health care they need? When I first started working in local government, it was in 2008 in New York City. It was at the height of the recession. I, um, I graduated from the University of Florida. I was originally from uh, Pinellas County, went to UF, went up to uh, New York. That was the only place I could find a job, City City Hall, uh, during the recession. And one of the stories we heard from a constituent, she's like, I don't, this was before the Affordable Care Act. She goes, I don't understand. I really don't have the money to walk into a hospital. Where can I go to get free health care? And there were some locations in the city, but it was so much more limited than it is now. We're now fast forward, still the cost of healthcare is still very expensive, but then you add on the cost of the prescription drug, right? Whether it's insulin, medical marijuana, or whatever it might be, no one should have a barrier to it because they can't pay hundreds of dollars for a week or a month's worth of their prescription.
1: I hear you get free healthcare and likers. you know gary
3: that's a good point um you know we had tommy chong on the show and he talked about how he met guys in federal prison who would you know when they were getting ready to get out would calculate what type of crime they would need to do to come back just so they could afford their health care That's because we literally have people in this country realizing that in federal prison you get better health care than anywhere else because it's required by law you know and that's just sad that. People with cancer, people with chronic debilitating conditions are like, I'm going to have to reoffend so I can come back and get my medicine. We have
1: actually interviewed a number of people who have spent decades in prison for basically a a nonviolent offense. And they say the same thing. If I cannot afford my medicine, I will probably want to go back to prison. (laughs) Because they they feel at that point in time, it's it's the only avenue for them. And we talk about recidivism all the time. I mean, Mm -hmm. can't. Cannabis can, can be a nonviolent crime, but people don't always come out of prison the same way they came in. Mm-hmm. And Jeff Brandis said this constantly that it wasn't so much, it, it, it was punitive, but it was supposed to be rehabilitative too. But we don't see the rehabilitative. What we see is the punitive. We see mm-hmm. people coming out and actually becoming more criminal when they come out because they're upset. Number one, because they've been you know, four decades at a place with no air conditioning in many in many cases and they just have had it so rough they, they, they come out less less gentle than they were before
3: yeah oh. well gary that's something air, air miss ayala had touched on a few weeks back she said that in florida we've dropped Rehabilitation as the purpose, like it, being in jail in Florida is strictly punitive now. There's no focus on rehabilitation, and we see that in the in the in the cutting back of programs. I mean, you can't even get a degree anymore in prison. Uh, you know, it, it's crazy how they how they have restricted the ability uh, to even think that you can have a life after you've gotten out. And and we touched on it here today on this show. Um, you know, those 20 people that Ron DeSantis has targeted for arrest for illegally voting, many of them got voter registration cards from the supervisor of elections. They thought they were clear to vote. Mm-hmm. So this, this witch hunt around voter fraud, which DeSantis is, I think it broke down to almost $200,000 per person that were wasted in tax dollars to prosecute these 20-some folks. Um, it, it's 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 ludicrous. It's insane. And this guy cannot uh, be continued to be our next, uh, uh, you know, our, our our governor. But more than that, he's been enabled by a legislature to push his agenda. And that same legislature has done jack shit for patients. Mm-hmm. So, you need, if you're willing to step up and support, like we said before, the the, the decriminalization, mm-hmm. legalization, you've even thrown out there. There needs to be reparations. And the last part with affordability, we need homegrown in this state, mm-hmm. and, and all of that. To be said that you still. Need to be able to be protected and, and be able to keep your job and also to keep your current medical treatment without being kicked off of that because there are even pain management doctors who will kick people off of their pain management cold turkey if they choose to go the medical marijuana route. Yeah. We need to make sure that patients in this state are not being kicked out of their nursing homes and people aren't being fired from their jobs just for utilizing a state-sanctioned medicine. Or off transplant too.
2: Yeah, and we're going to find a time within our lifetime where there will be a shift like there has been with every other issue. You know, you can take other, you know, polarizing. I will use air quotes, polarizing fight for 15 LGBTQ rights, abortion. Right. There's all these issues. And and we throw the legalization of marijuana in with it. There will be a time where the folks who are standing in front of us to stop this are the folks who are going to make money off of this within our generation because they're going to turn around, they're going to flip, and they're going to be the ones that try to ride the train on this. And what we need to do is make sure if everyone has access to a ballot, if everyone has their voice heard, everyone can vote, we can make this happen sooner rather than later. I'm really excited to see it in my lifetime. I would hate for my future children or my children's children to have to keep fighting this fight for something that should not be an issue to fight about. The science is there. Doctors are on our side. There's no reason why this should be something that's so held up and something that's taking so much energy. When, again, we have so many other larger issues to tackle, this seems like something that is pretty straightforward and easy to jump on board with.
1: Now, this last election, uh, Ralph Masulo did not qualify for the ballot, and he was the last remaining physician on the legislature.
2: Mm-hmm. And
1: that means we have no uh, positions on the legislature. However, good, to, good everybody should be good to know that everybody thinks they're a doctor in the legislature. <laughs> kind of like what happened over the last two years where everybody on the internet all of a sudden became an epidemiologist, they became a lawyer, they became a doctor, <clears throat> they became a scientist. Well, our legislatures for a long time have considered themselves doctors for the longest time. And this last rule, emergency rule that came out there is part and parcel of that same attitude That they believe that they know more about medicine than the people who know about medicine. (laughs) It's the constriction of rights based on ignorance more than anything else, or based on a a need to regulate more than is necessary. Yeah. And it it continues on and on and on. What can we do to resolve that?
2: I always hold the belief, in all all of my work, I always hold the belief that if you're writing some policy that's related to healthcare or medical care, you don't do it without doctors at the table and doctors of different mindsets too. You you need to not live in a bubble of your own beliefs. Um, If you're doing something related to the environment, I want an environmental scientist at the table. If you're doing something that is going to affect the black community, here's a thought have the black community at the table so they can figure it out with you, right? We want the people who are most affected or the folks who are the expert knowledge people that are in that space should be at the table helping to decide these issues alongside legislators.
1: Well, just so you know, you're surrounded by a bunch of folks like that. We we have bills available for not only worker protections, but also patient protections, so you can't Mm -hmm. get kicked off the transplant list. We also have a bill on expansion of qualifying conditions, so that more people will qualify for the medical program
0: mm-hmm.
1: to, So, without the doctors having to do mental gymnastics to make that happen, mm-hmm. and reciprocity. Uh, tourism is one of the biggest things that this state relies on, and yet many mm-hmm. people don't go on vacation because somebody's sick. Mm-hmm. And if people can not have access to the medicine when they come here, they won't come here. They'll go to Colorado and they'll freeze their butts off or whatever else they want to do yeah but we but we should have reciprocity where anybody who comes to this country to this state can have access to that medicine that we happen to sell. That would be an increase in, in sales also for our MTCs but also allow for greater tourism. And I can't understand why they have been pushing back against reciprocity all these years as well. So we we, we have we have we have a bill for that you know as, as uh, Senator Warren says, we have a plan for that. Yeah and we'd be more than happy to step in. And give you the benefit of our expertise and our experience and believe me carlos may not look like he's experienced but he's experienced
2: oh all of you seem very very well versed in this topic
1: <laughs> well carlos let's give you the 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 big screen
3: and and let it close out let folks know how they can uh support
2: sure so uh we have 72 days till election day not that i'm counting uh, and the best way folks can support if you're here locally and you can give your time, uh, we have volunteer opportunities. Our website, unicforflorida.com, E U uh, N I C, if you can give your treasure, uh, we are a grassroots donation uh, campaign. We are raising the funds needed to ha- continue to hire staff uh, and pay for what we need to get across that finish line in November. And if you have talent and you wanna join this campaign, just feel free to reach out on our website, unicforflorida.com. This seat is a seat where we could actually flip it from Republican to Democratic control. And for me, it's really more of a flip for a leader who's actually gonna focus on the issues that we've been talking about during this uh, podcast, housing, education, the environment, and yes, hopefully one day fully legalizing uh, marijuana and making it accessible to those who need it medicinally. So I just appreciate you all uh, having me on today. Really appreciate the conversation and hopefully after November 8th, continuing that conversation in Tallahassee.
1: Okay. Very good. Any quick things you want to say about your opponent that uh, that separates the two of you without being too nasty?
2: (laughs) No, I'm not a nasty person. You know, he's a, he's a Republican that is following um, has followed the leadership of Tallahassee. And for folks that have been, following what's going on in Tallahassee, then I think that explains it all.
1: That's pretty damn in itself, of of itself. So that's good. (laughs) (laughs) All right.
3: Well, you know, uh, folks in the Tampa Bay area, especially in in the St. Pete region, uh, Unico Ortiz should be your pick uh, for state Senate. Let's uh, put someone in that seat who we can count on as an
2: ally. Thank you you guys so much, appreciate it. And,
3: you know, as as people like, you uh, you know, there are so many things on the ballot, like she said. Uh, there's housing, there's women's rights on the ballot, and one particular thing around women's rights and medical cannabis that always astounded me is that of out of all the 33, 36 states that have legalized some sort of medical cannabis, I believe it's like less than less than three that actually allow pregnant women to utilize medical cannabis. And the reason I bring this up is because a, a, recent survey showed that cannabis is a more effective prescription anti for, for, for hypermesis, uh, gravidarum, you know, and that's the severe nausea and vomiting morning sickness, if you will, uh, for a lot of folks and understanding that cannabis is much more effective. And this is a coming out of the university of California out of UCLA and, 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 in conjunction with the hypermesis education, the research foundation in Oregon. And they had surveyed 550 folks who suffered uh during their pregnancy, and 96% said they used prescription anti 14% uh, said they used cannabis, 71% of those who acknowledged consuming cannabis said they did so because the prescription medications were inadequate to manage your symptoms. So, you know. We always talk about, and and you see this all the time, this whole thing uh, on the right around trying to protect the unborn. But the fact of the matter is, is that uh, (laughs) what about the moms? What about the people who are sick? And even then, you know, that constant vomiting is not good for an unborn child either. So, you know, cannabis itself and cannabinoids have analogs in the human body. This is not the 1980s where you know the egg commercial and a fried egg is 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 what people think when they think
0: cannabis. Yeah. No, cannabis is a healing substance. And what's so study, much study so, uh, in Jamaica where the pregnant ladies. Uh, yeah. A thir-
3: thirty-year-long study in Jamaica that showed uh, pregnant women who use cannabis in utero had babies that were smarter yeah. and had better reaction times than babies that weren't. Mm-hmm. You know, and, and and so much so that when we say cannabis is medicine, um, it, it's not just THC. But uh, a recent stu- uh, study and uh, data published in uh, Frontiers in Physiology, coming out of Hershey, Pennsylvania, showed that CBG, cannabigerol, actually lowers blood pressure in some preclinical uh, models that they've developed uh, in mice, uh, with a team of researchers from Penn State College of Medicine. You know, looking at the cardiovascular impacts of CBG. Um, so we're still on the cutting edge of of research. And in this country, we still have this federal prohibition that is still affecting research. And we still have all this this political um, propaganda out there that is preventing sick people from getting access to life-saving medicine. And it's ludicrous. And we have to do more to stop it.
1: Now, I would, I would want to start up a new uh, segment possibly next week uh, that, called uh, I Highly Disagree. But I wanted to go ahead and get a little editorial bit point. And so I'm going to give you a little taste of that right now, because we supposedly have a medical program here in the state of Florida. Well, I highly disagree. We don't actually have a medical program per se. Yeah, it's got the structure of a medical program, but medical programs, number one, they don't restrict their patients' access to medicine. That doesn't make any sense, especially with this current uh, new emergency rule, where they're actually constricting the ability to get the medicines they actually need, and we're not yeah. treating it as a medical situation. Number what, one,
0: I'm sorry, I'm sorry, Gary. I, I just to, to go into your strongly disagree that that is directly from the Desantis administration. Yes. Yeah. So, like Ron DeSantis is putting this down, like that's that's basically like handed down from it. They
1: asked for yeah. an emergency rule to be written that that allows to constrict the amount of everything else but flour. Which means we've already constricted flour with this strange 70 day flip thing. Let's go after all the other ones, especially the ones people use on a medicinal basis, because not everybody uses uh, smokable flour as, as, a, as their, 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 uh, their path for medicinal use. And again, this, this goes again to the fact that we are constantly not treating this as a medical program. And to be honest with you, know, the MMTCs are not treating it as a medical program either. You look at all the ads out there, they don't talk about this is better for, your, for for headaches, this is better for high blood pressure, this is better for this, that or the other thing. What they're saying is, this will get you a better buzz. This will get you a high. this has higher THC and you'll love it. You know, this will get you, this will get you the best buzz you have on a Friday afternoon. That is not statements that come from a medical program. They come from a recreational program or what we, what we call an adult use program. We will get to an adult use program eventually. But for those people who use this as a medical program they're not getting the information they need to stay well and, and no. that is a, a great concern to me my father was a pharmacist he always said that the pharmacist was the last person that you talk to to make certain you understand what your medicine's all about try doing that with one of the average bug tenders or any of the any of the mmtc's right now and you will see a deer in the headlights if you ask him any kind of medical question whatsoever yeah they don't have the training they don't have certification and be honest with you, they, they they don't have a clue other than how to build a sale, which is not bad when it comes to selling is concerned. It's good if you if you're trying to build it, your sale, but is that what we're really all about—to try to make the patient spend as much as possible? That is what we're doing. With. I mean.
3: Gary, the the state of Maine tried to shut down, you know, preventing these MSOs from coming in and taking over them. And the federal court has just struck down the residency requirement for those seeking state marijuana licenses in the state of Maine in a two to one uh, ruling. And and so you gotta think, well, the industry is throwing money uh, to make sure that they can, you know, essentially, you know, they can operate multiple states. They can be this takeover. And what we see, in the grand scheme of things is, you know, you ask, like, why are they doing this? And you're like, it's about money. I mean, look, look at this, right? here. This is the Florida medical marijuana industry. Everything is there. Transparent. Look look at, look at who has the most locations. Look at who's moving the most products. Look who has licenses and doesn't have anything in the ground yet. You know, and, and, and like you said, it doesn't seem like in the grand scheme of things, these MMTCs are doing right by sick people. I mean, people still can't afford their medicine in this state. Sick kids who have cancer can't get access to it because it costs too damn much and there is no right to home grow. And I, I've seen it time and time again. It's like, where where are the MMTCs in supporting patients? They're not supporting patients. They're supporting their pockets.
1: And now uh, this kind of slipped through a lot of the news this last week, but DeSantis had mentioned the fact that the uh, the licenses here in Florida are making a ton of money, and there's no reason why the state shouldn't be getting more of that money. And so, they, mm. so they plan on raising the uh, the fees to remain a uh, a MMTC, get more money from them. Now, of course, the uh, MMTC would mm. never pass that uh, that say that those savings along to the customer, right?
3: No. So, what, so what's going to happen, of course,
1: mm. is DeSantis, is if he gets his way, is going to have them uh, again, put out more money for their annual licenses or any other fee that he can throw at them, maybe even an excise tax, things of that sort. And of course that, that rate hike is going to be thrown directly towards the patients because
0: where God are you at? Where you at? To to where you at Nate Jerowitz? come on guys. Seriously. <laughs> like, how how are you going to like, say that fucking Ron DeSantis is good for this this business. How can you say that this isn't a, a, a party thing here in Florida? I mean, come on, look what just happened. Like, why aren't these people talking? Why aren't these people saying anything? Why aren't these people outraged right now?
3: Well, here <laughs> I just I just posted, uh, you know, this this video in the the normal of Florida uh, Facebook page, and some lady was commenting, "Oh, she's an educator and a union organizer." No thanks. And I was like, "You rather have a prohibitionist who doesn't support home grow in in there?" And they're like, "Well, I'm not going to vote just on the basis of medical marijuana laws," and that's why we don't have shit changing. Because as I said it before, the LGBTQ community has never once equivocated if you're not on our team we will make sure your ass is in an office the cannabis community needs to coalesce it needs to take its lessons from 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 other groups and other movements and plain and simple if you're not in support of ending prohibition if you're not in support of helping sick people get reliable and safe access then why the fuck do you want to run for
1: office and why should we support you in any way shape or form right is a a point i want to bring up now too and that is of course we just finished the primaries and um I was a little shocked that, that, uh, Chris, that Charlie Chris won as by as much as he did. I knew that he had a bit of a lead. There was some really confusion in the polls. The, the, uh, uh, you, uh, uh, one poll said that he was up by 30 points. The other poll said that they he was actually behind. And it actually was in the fact that he actually won by almost 30 points, actually 25 points. But the other thing that I noticed that was really a shocker uh was the fact that our friend Michael Minardi uh, did not get as much of a, of a support as he thought he would. I mean, he thought that because he was pro-cannabis and running as a Republican, that those two things would coalesce and that would jet him right into you know, the, the, the primaries. And actually, he ended up third. And it was a, it was was it was a far third. Because that just didn't happen. Because people just didn't flip that lever the way he, he expected them to. Don't always expect the voters to just told us what you're you're thinking when they have somebody else telling them what to think.
3: Well, the other thing is you actually have to put into sweat equity. You got to knock on doors. You got to make the phone calls. You got to go out there and really be in the thick of things. It's not enough just to pay the filing fee, have your name on the ballot. It's not enough just to to you know run ads on social media and such. You really got to get out there and get your name recognition. And then more than that, you have to be genuine. You know, I lambasted him last week for for going all pro DeSantis, and 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 I'm just like that just doesn't seem genuine to me. as anybody who wants to be a, a mover and shaker in this movement? And, and wants to represent and stand up for patients to all of a sudden back the one guy who we have just said has stalled the progress of this industry in, 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 in pro-patient legislation uh, with alongside his own political party for the past three to four
1: years. So in other words, the, the, the voters just weren't buying it. They weren't buying that he was pro-DeSantis and, and he couldn't ride the, that, that coattail. It, it just was <laughs> not there. The emperor had no clothes to, to hold on to. Uh, well,
3: you know, I mean, you know, the emperor shouldn't. Never mind. I'm not going to finish this. Sentence. <laughs> <laughs> never mind. I almost it like, let it go. No never, never, mind. <laughs> never mind. Never mind. Never <laughs> mind. But look, point being is that if, if, if look, I've run for office twice, and I'll tell you this much number one, uh, you need to get out there and you have to be dedicated. Like, it is hard to have a full time job and run for office like running for office itself is damn near a full-time job so that means that you need money you got to be able to pay your own bills and you got to be able to raise money and have that money to get out there to get your name out there um and then more than that if you come from if you come from working class background then all all in all you're gonna have to spend a lot more time on the phone and a lot more time putting in the sweat equity uh because you you know Running for office is something that unless you're someone who can throw $200,000 at one of these races, you're not going to win without that level of of finance or putting in the the equitable
1: amount of sweat that you have to do. And the organization. That is so important to have a proper ground game. I mean, if I had to pick one thing that propelled Obama into office, and that is the fact that he was a community organizer before he was a politician, and so he knew how to create a ground game that brought in a a groundswell of the populace in towards that that election. And that made a big difference and it, it opened a lot of people's eyes that made the difference for United for care. Gary was, was the ground game, you know,
3: going out there and getting petitions. I remember in 2015, uh, working alongside, you know, uh, uh, Nick Ray, it, you know, across seven counties on the West coast working 12 and 16 hour days, collecting petitions to make that happen, to get it on the ballot, to get the awareness out there. You'd be surprised when people didn't even know medical marijuana was a possibility. You know and then and then to have them you know do the form completely like hey can you flip it over and sign it too you know <laughs> so the, the, just just getting valid petitions was such an important part of getting the awareness out there and i think that for moving forward when it comes to adult use it's going to take a ground game and i think that's part of why you see um an mso like True Leaf and the Bellamy brothers putting up 5 million for their adult use is that they know it is going to take a huge infrastructure uh, in a 67 County state uh, where you're going to need to get a million uh, signed petitions and you're going to have to battle the Supreme court. And then you still got to go up against uh, the powers that be that don't want to see this like uh, geo group or like core civic, uh,
1: like, uh, Disney or the Florida chamber of commerce. Mm. Also there are people within our own industry as well who are, are bound in, in, in knocking this down because it do, it's not exactly what they want. And you have to understand that sometimes you have to do things incrementally. I mean, that was the thing that really killed MILF. <laughs> I, mean, I even hate to call it that. But the MILF bill that, that was put out by the MedMen folks, God bless their soul. Uh, they had a, lot, had a lot of people take all their money and throw it into the trash can by putting out all these fake um, petitions all these fake names, Mickey Mouse, Superman, and all those guys tried to sign these damn petitions. And a lot of them just got thrown out in mass. Where well they
3: thought they could throw money at it instead of putting together a a, a reputable ground game, you know, and, and letting people see that this is something that they can actually get by.
1: And this particular bill that's come out from True Leave in the Bellamy's. It's already getting a lot of pushback from people online who say, you know, this, is an, this bill is an abomination. It's giving the adult use program directly to the MMTCs, and there's going to be no home grow, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. They got to at least get a chance to get it to the Supreme Court, and they got to at least get a chance to let the, the voters vote on it. I say, if you see a petition, sign it. Let the voters
0: decide. You're not the only person who's can, thinking about that. I can understand how it's hard to... I mean, you got the freaking FBI investigation from the, the husband of the CEO, True uh hmm. looking into like how they're like directly responsible for the shit we're dealing with in this system. And, yeah. and, and not
3: just in this state, in multiple states.
0: Yeah, now. and this petition is directly funded by them. So, you, I, I mean, I can understand being wary of it. I mean, I... Uh, uh, a lot of people are saying that they don't like it because there's no home growing, right? And yeah, okay, you guys have actually already explained to me that it's got to be a single issue thing and that DeSantis kind of fucked that all up. But, I mean, this, it's running parallel with, or, or should be running parallel soon with, with another petition for home grow. So, I mean, it's possible that we could get both of those in, but you know, I got to play the devil's advocate here and and just be like, well, I mean, if we're if we're in with the uh, Desantis legislation, we're going to see the same bullshit. Like, we're going to see this system fucked up no matter who puts forth the petition initiative. Oh, I'm yeah. going to put out a a blast from a statement
1: here and say that it it the best way to actually get this done is actually to have a ballot initiative for home grow. That is successful first, and then go after adult use. I think if we try to go after the like same that. time, like it's not going to work because the people are really going to be upset that there isn't a home grow already in the in the uh, the uh, legalization bill, and so that's going to fail.
0: I think and we, I think you're right, Gary. I think we've spent the past fifty two minutes bitching about how our system sucks. <laughs> you know, like I think, I think there's a lot that we we need to do before we move on to adult use. You know, yeah. So if somebody um, wants we to put to five
1: million dollars into a home grow bill first, I think that would be the way to go. And then after that, we can go towards legalization. I think that would be the way to go, unless we can get some way of getting a legislature to, to uh, bend towards home grow. I got a great bill that that actually allows them to regulate the system and make the, the home growers happy too. But it, it has to be. It has to get the committee.
3: Yeah, well. Well, I mean, I think this is an open call to true leave, to Verano, move, cure Leaf, Liberty Health, uh, Parallel, Sotera, Fluent, Vitican, Grow Healthy, Sunnyside, Cannabis, Sanctuary Cannabis, Green Dragon, Rise, Planet 13, Cookies, you know, uh, Jungle or Flowery, Jungle Boys, you know, Green Century Holdings, Gold Leaf, all of you, uh, if you have a license in the state of Florida and you want to benefit from the adult use market, then we're gonna ask you for two clear things. One, you need to be supporting home growth for our patients. And two, you need to be supporting the mission that we have here at Suncoast Normal. You need to be advocating for patients, whether you like us talking shit about your organization or not, we provide a vital resource in making sure that you don't lose sight of your own moral compass, that you do remember that you got into this business to help sick people. And when sick patients call us and tell us, oh, it's not affordable, I can't afford $300 for a doctor recommendation. That $75 for a card is crazy. It's too much. You know, people every, you know, every eight, nine months having to drop $400 to get get things renewed. Uh, that's 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 just out of pocket for so many people who are working class in this state. And so the f- system cannot just be one that benefits the upper middle class, that benefits the rich. And then even then, these dosing and supply limits from the DeSantis administration are ludicrous. Two grams a day for smokable flour. Ron DeSantis, if you can show me that you yourself smoke it less than two grams a day, I... I, I I I, I don't believe it. Even when you were a smoker, I know goddamn well you weren't smoking less than two, you were smoking more than two grams a day. Come on, man. Let's have some
1: common sense. Let's have some compassion for the patients. I mean, Chris has got the longest for it, but he can do two grams before lunch. I guarantee it. And still go to work.
3: I mean, I'm just saying, get get, an eighth. You know, it would have been even a more if you had to restrict it, and you had to be a prick about the restrictions. <laughs> an eighth, three point five grams, would have been the bare minimum that I would that 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 I would even think would would have made sense. Like if you're smoking an eighth a day, that almost seemed half reasonable as their cap. But two grams a day on flower does not seem like a reasonable cap in any way, shape, or form. It, it reminds me of when we went to that decriminalization hearing in Lakeland, and that lady was like, oh, Mr. Kano and Normal and them are advocating for 20 grams or less to be decriminalized. That's 60 joints. And I'm like, where the fuck do you get 60 joints out of, two gra- out of 20 grams? <laughs> and I'm just thinking, how do you get two grams a day as an allotment at, for a sick patient? you know i I mean i don't get it i don't get it that's that's what
0: 4.5 i don't (laughs) come on i don't understand why there's such a distinction between edibles and oral like Mm. 60 Mm. milligrams if it's in a a throat lodge singe or gummy or chocolate but if you're if you're taking a capsule form, it's 200 milligrams it's literally the same thing
1: well originally 60 was supposed milligrams. To be something you get you get absorbed into your mucosa in your mouth, like tincture.
0: That that was the well, you, they have the 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 sublingual tincture is a separate category. So it's like that's right. it's it's screwed like,
3: up.
1: That's, that's how yeah. you can tell it's now doctors who are submitting to this. I, these
3: are people who don't even have decent degrees in public administration and probably didn't smoke weed in college either, we're
0: in the MMU. So maybe we gotta get
1: that block back on
0: why are they so into like 195 milligrams to stick up your butt like like why is that okay like why why are they why are they doing that aside from top
3: I'm just saying is that when you run out of your two grams of flour, I guess shoving up your ass is the only thing you left for the rest. Of the- that's all you can do. That's, that's, how, that's how this administration feels. After you smoke your two grams for the day, taking
0: up the ass is what they're you. Uh, I, I have
1: an allergy to the thought of, of uh, suppositories. That's just that's essentially
0: how you can go through a cancer treatment in the state. You have to smoke two grams of flour, eat 60 milligrams of a gummy. Uh, 200 milligrams in a capsule form. Uh, there's um, no a yeah. between tinctures and sublingual tinctures, so you got to do a sublingual, and then you got to stick the rest up your butt. And hope that's enough
3: to actually hold the cannabis at bay or or cause the cancer cells to die. Yeah, I don't think it's enough.
1: Well, they they, they lose the fact that that cancer treatments have to be targeted. I mm-hmm. mean. He, if you got, if you got butt cancer, you need to put it up your butt. That's, that's, that's basically where it comes from.
0: Yeah.
1: Yeah. And to be
0: limited
3: to 195 milligrams of TAC per day. I mean, it, if, if your dose needs to be 500, I mean, come on, it's not working. These, these caps are not one. They weren't rolled out democratically. They're used under emergency rulemaking power. The DeSantis administration didn't even have to get a check
0: uh, from the legislature you know, they're used He's. You could definitely sum up that they're, they're singling out suppository for people with colon issues. And let's
1: not forget also who is in charge of the DOH. It's not just the director who won't talk to us unless his lawyers say it's okay. It's the surgeon general who believes that vaccines can kill you. And that that COVID uh, really is not a big deal. And God knows what other things that he thinks that are Valid that are not valid. We don't we don't have the best Surgeon General right now Hopefully that's one of the things that get, it gets changed out this uh, this coming uh, January as soon as possible uh, How can you, how you can, can you see
0: this coming from him? It's legalization and still support these assholes man Like how can you do that? Like it just makes no fucking sense to me. I need to move. I need to fucking get the fuck out of the state. Like, I, 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 I'm I, ashamed of it, but I, I think I'm about to fucking give up and just fucking leave so I can finally be happy because they're making it impossible. My dream's to own a fucking dispensary in the state and they're making it impossible for me to do so.
1: Well, let's, let's start making the changes that happen. We've already gotten past the primaries. We now know exactly who we gotta deal with in regards to the general elections. And uh, we lost some of the people that we, we interviewed. That's unfortunate. I mean, uh, Eddie Geller, as funny as he was, only got came in the third.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And I, I thought he was a, a very, very bright candidate, but he just didn't have the uh, the name recognition to move forward on, on that thing. Uh, mm-hmm. Maxwell yep. Frost over in Orlando, he managed to come in pretty high, which, which, which was impressive. And he wants to come on the show and we'll be talking to him soon too. Awesome, I'm looking forward
3: to, to having them. I mean, uh, Generation Z, you know, the first, you know, candidate. Millennials have always been the younger candidates. Now we have a, someone from the next generation coming up, could be
1: the first Gen Z member of Congress. Be, be excited to have him on the show, see what he thinks. Absolutely. And uh, Aramesa Ayala won in her primary which I think is wonderful. <laughs>
3: Baller, Aramis, yes, we need her as Attorney General. Um, I thought her comments and her philosophy and jurisprudence were definitely uh, right on point for some we need to, to defend the patients in this industry.
1: And uh, Ms. Sidney Banye, she she has gone forward. Of course, she didn't have a, a challenger. But also, um, Rebecca Jones won her primary over in uh, CD1. Okay. Hey. That's awesome. She fought other court battles. She
3: she beat off a primary opponent. And now she gets to take on good old Matt Gates.
1: <laughs> yeah. Which is funny because the guy who was running against Gates was shocked that he lost. He thought that by now Gates would already be in jail, so therefore he would automatically be the candidate. <laughs> oh wow.
3: He- you know, I saw something on the internet the other day that made me laugh. And it said, um, if you're a late rumor don't worry matt gates didn't get his first high school girlfriend until he was 40.
1: (laughs) well on that on that note so how do do people join uh, suncoast normal and become part of this movement and make these things happen because we do need a group of people to go over there uh, go to tallahassee and make these things happen because we will be there that's right we
3: are a membership-based organization, right? And if you're someone, uh, you're listening to the politics that we're espousing here, the people that we're interviewing and stuff, again, if you have a candidate you wanna see, come on the show, invite them to come on the show, be a part of be a part of the community, join the community, all right? We're a community-based organization. We, we fight on behalf of our members, our members help direct what we're trying to do. And if you wanna be a part of this, even if you disagree with me, you disagree with Gary, you disagree with Carlos, we want you to become a member. All right. Our our membership has Republicans in it, it has libertarians, it has some flat earthers for crying out loud. All right. But the vast majority of folks all agree that we want to have a safe, affordable medical cannabis system that is producing safe quality medicine for people and if that's what you want to see in Florida then you need to become a member of Suncoast Normal. Go to suncoastnormal.org uh, uh, go to our membership page sign up you can once you sign up online you can go into Chillum ask to pick up your membership pin and your membership card they're there for you and you get a 25% discount uh, at Chillum every time you show your membership card so th- there are some great benefits that, that uh, we appreciate Carlos as our deputy director and also as the proprietor of that establishment uh, giving us a home, uh, you know, a studio and doing so much uh, for this movement, Gary has put in so many unpaid man hours into advocating for patients. All right. Look, I'll tell you this much: the day we become the type of organization like the United Way or or uh, or one of these other huge nonprofits that has you know million dollar CEOs, I uh, trust me, Gary is someone who is well deserving of every penny uh, that this organization could be willing to put into him. But for right now, we want to be able to at least put some gas into the van so he can get up to Tallahassee. You know, again, everything we do goes into our advocacy. I don't take a check for this, Gary doesn't take a check for this, Carlos doesn't take a check for this. So if you want to be part of an organization that is always putting patients first, join Sun Coast Normal. More than that, we also have a Patreon page as well and our patreon pages to go to support uh the rotation here and continuing to allow the rotation uh to grow uh, you know as a as a show you know uh in our production value carlos does not have a degree in radio production and he has been one of the most (laughs) amazing producers in all of this but we want to continue to make the show bigger better bring on better folks i mean we've had some amazing guests on this show and so Join Go, go to patreon.com slash Uh Go to the membership page. You can sign up and be a patron for $5 a month, $10 a month, $20 a month. Uh, there's great benefits for every level. But all in all, support the work that we're doing, and let's make it happen. Also, if you're watching on YouTube, hit that subscribe button and go ahead and like our videos. We want to continue to make sure that we can uh, grow our following. And if you're following us on Facebook, uh, social media, Twitter, uh, you know, Instagram, uh, by all means continue to support. Our, our social media advocacy and be a part of the movement. Yeah, is there anything? And, else? and that is
1: where we stand, guys. We got another week in the can. We got some great uh, guests coming up in the next couple of weeks. We got Keith Stroop, the uh, one of the founders and current general counsel for National Normal, to give us the full layout of the land as, as to what is going to happen to us nationally going forward. Looking forward to that.
3: Yeah. <laughs> indeed indeed and also we've been invited to uh, join national normal live on their regular show so uh, you know you'll get an opportunity to see uh, you, you guys here in the rotation uh, of national normals uh, live show pretty soon as well Dang.
1: they're following our lead
0: <laughs> bye everybody
1: <laughs> have, have a great week have a great labor day remember unionism is not communism it's socialism
0: hmm Oh, yeah. I love you my heart. So nice. This
1: has been The Rotation, and you have been a part of it. You can be a bigger part of it by joining Suncoast Normal. Suncoast Normal is an organization that can help you make the change that we all need. Go to the Suncoast Normal website and become a member because that is how you
0: become part of the change. You can find The Rotation podcast on both SoundCloud and iTunes, but you can always join us in the rotation at suncoastnormal.org. At that very website, you can join the cannabis movement by becoming a member of Suncoast Normal, gain access to cannabis events, Cannabis Info, Normal's legal network, and even a free membership to National. all by joining Suncoast Normal. That website, again, is suncoastnorml.org. You can also find us on social media, at Suncoast Normal. Uh, find us on both Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and YouTube. And thank you, Gary, and good night. Good night.